Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Colin Nessler, and I'm here today with Tadeo Gasparetto. Hello, everyone. And Carlos Gomez. Hola, hola, hola. Tadeo, can you tell us a little bit about today's paper? Sure. The paper we're going to discuss today, its title is Integration Between Women's and Men's Football Clubs, a Comparison Between Brazil, China and Italy. It has been published last year in the International Journal of Sport Policy and Politics, and it has three authors, Mauricio Valetti and Kipeng from Manchester Metropolitan University and Claudio Rocha from University of Stirling. This is a quite an interesting paper. They are discussing these changes in the policy of women football and this integration between women and male football clubs in these three countries. So, Carlos, can you introduce this paper to us? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's exactly what they're trying to analyze. So now there's a growing trend about women's sports and understanding the factors that make this growth a reality is complex sometimes. Back in 2018, the authors argued that FIFA actually launched a global strategy for women's football and they wanted all the national associations of FIFA to develop some programs for women's football growth. And despite this effort by FIFA, the authors here claim that the literature has not really paid too much attention to these strategies and they want to analyze this stuff related to the policies that in different countries they are trying to implement. The study focuses on uh, three specific countries in Brazil, China and Italy, as these countries have demanded all men's football clubs, professional men's clubs, to integrate women's team in their structure, at least in the first division. And then the answer, what they try to do in the paper is specifically trying to analyze the context and the timing in these countries and try to understand why they implemented such a policy, which are the factors in these countries that might lead them to include this integration policy. To do this, they also rely on a specific framework. They call this the multiple streams framework. Basically, they try to capture three problematics within each country. They try to analyze what they call problem stream. And this is the perceptions of the problems that are seen as public in this country, like they have a public interest. Also the policy stream, which is a list of potential actions that the policymakers in these countries have available. And also to analyze the political stream, which is sort of the large scale political environment and trends in these countries that might lead the national associations to take these steps. Tadeo, which is the method that they actually use to analyze these three countries? Well, this is a qualitative research with using secondary data, so they specified the early beginning. So for me, it was very interesting when they were discussing how they have chosen the countries. I mean, you introduced this already. It's like they had three main points. The first one, that all these three countries changed the policy to merge male and female football somehow. And the second one is that they have represent similar level of gender disparity. So three countries that despite of their geographical distance, they represent this similar value. But at the same time, they use 
this geographical distance as a positive point, considering that this is a kind of unique setting for cross-country and cross-continental analysis. So one country from South America, one country from Europe, and another one from Asia. So it's a kind of critical analysis, so interpretative approach that they have, because the data has been collected by official policy documents, media reports, related literature, annual reports, activity plans, and online publications from the teams, from the national federation of each of these countries, from FIFA, Common Ball, AFC, UEFA. So they lie in all kinds of publicly available data that they could have collected online that you analyze all these settings. So they call the kind of analysis as a concept elaboration. So they start with the prefiguring, like the conceptual ideas that they already have for the country, the advantage that one author is Brazilian, another author is Chinese, another author is Italian. So they already have some pre-concepts in their mind, they understand fully that culture and the, each of the settings. Later on, they interpret the meaning from this data. And finally, they follow this multiple stream framework that you just explained, Carlos. So they could compare each country separately. And later on, at the end, they could analyze them connected. So within each case and across each country. So was this general qualitative analysis that they did. So, Cornel, can you tell us the results that they got? Yeah, so this is not like a normal empirical paper where you easily can look at the results. So what the first two is that they explain the historical evolution in each of the three countries. So they say, okay, how did women's football evolve in those three countries? And obviously it's very different. So you see that some countries... For example, like China and Italy, they started a little bit earlier compared to Brazil. And they also clarify that there are very important differences between those countries and then that there were policy changes within each one. But I'm not going to focus too much on the individual countries and how they explain it, but I'm focusing on how they think that the countries evolved in their three areas. So they have the problem stream, the policy stream, and the political stream. And I'm going to start off with the problem stream. So they say, okay, each country had two problems. And it was in every country a bit different. But the first problem was that in the countries, the women's team wasn't really successful. And then it got worse. So the political class, or maybe the federation saw, okay, here's a problem. We had a female team that used to be better and now they are underperforming. They have a nice graph in the paper as well to show that this was the case. So for the national team, and then they say, this is the first problem that the country saw. But then there's another problem and this is that grassroots football. So let's say amateur football or the number of females that actually play football in the countries was super low as well. And if you compare the numbers, and this is what the authors do, you find incredibly low numbers for those three countries compared to their neighbors. For example, they compare Brazil with Argentina, and they show that there are a lot more female players in Argentina, the same for China and Japan, or for Italy and Germany or France. So those are two problems that the national federations recognized and because of this they started to act and then we come to the next one 
the policies dream. And it is interesting because for the federations, they saw female football as an instrument to solve some of the problems for male football. So they said, okay, we had these problems in male football, for example, clubs not being financially stable, and now we help them. So federations give them some possibilities, but in order for us to help them, they have to start and get a female team on board. So how can this evolve? So how do female teams evolve when they're together with a male team in one club? Sorry, Cornel, I think it's interesting to understand this policy because I think this policy is very positive in many lines that you can look at, but also it has some drawbacks because I can see how in some places, in some countries, there are women's teams that are already pretty big and pretty popular and they don't necessarily have men's team behind. So I'm wondering whether in one country, if one wants to implement this policy, how do you deal with this already successful women's club? How do you manage to integrate them or you don't necessarily have to do this? How they will then compete in the league? So these sort of problems, I think policymakers will have to deal in the future when implementing or when thinking about this policy. I completely agree with you. And I think there's another point and the authors focus on this also later on in the paper in the implication section, because they say, you know what, maybe female teams don't want to do the exact same thing as male teams. So this, they say, hyper-commercialized setting. And to be honest, if you listen to many supporters right now, this is what many complain about in males football. So this is a very interesting point. And just combining them, maybe puts them in a situation where you do not want to have that. So this was really good. And I like that. The third point that I have is the political stream. And this is something that we do not only see in football, but general throughout societies. And this is gender equality. So they said, okay, we have gender equality. And that pushes the federations to improve the setting for female players. Again, I think it's really interesting to look at the three different countries from this perspective, especially in football, because football is so popular that often you ask yourself, why isn't there a female's team? So they say, and this is important for the authors, they have the three streams. So the problem stream, the policy stream, and then the political stream. And those three streams together were important for the new introduction of female football teams in the countries. Obviously, they say that their findings have some limitations. For example, they didn't talk to stakeholders in the industry. They only looked at those three countries. Maybe you can look at more countries. But in general, there's like a first step how you can understand why there are female teams and how they evolved in another nation. So I think that was a very interesting paper. I like to read it, even though it has uh, less data that I'm normally used to. It is true. I found the paper extremely interesting, especially everything around this policy, because I'm convinced this policy can help women's football, in this case, grow. But the question here is how they grow and if they are allowed to grow differently from men's team. Also, it has been discussed in research, like women's sports sometimes are more family-friendly 
when you go to the stadium, the atmosphere is a little bit different by combining them with the men's established market. I don't know if we lose a little bit of this differentiation, but in any case, it's great policy to study and to do more research about it. I think this is everything. Cornell, Tadeo, thank you very much. This is everything for today's podcast. Thank you for listening to the weekly sports piece. Stay tuned.